2: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: Wake up in the morning feeling like Waterman is extremely well. She's very slippery. You don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm
0: a woman.
1: The try hard. we are back after a little week off we're doing a little bit of a bi-weekly vibe at the moment yeah. uh, working for me is it working for you my friend
2: it is although I do miss you the uh in the week off but it means that we've got even more to chat about
1: on the Potty podcast and um, you say that like you don't speak to me in the week <laughs> off you do oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we here? do talk because I, I haven't spoken to you for two weeks since the last podcast. So let's keep that illusion going for the fans and listeners. Um, What have you been up to? Have you been anywhere fun? Been anywhere interesting? Do you think we have got fans or we got listeners? I mean, are they the same? Are they? I, definitely, I feel like they're slightly different. No, I definitely think we've got fans. We've got <laughs> a fan, Tom Chapman and, um, that's, and Vicky Fleetwood. So there's two of them. So they're fans. <laughs> So,
2: Georgie Gulliver, who actually um, I got to see recently uh, for a surprise down in Brighton for Rocky's 40th. Um, it was kind of like when she got her most, I think when she got, became the most capped player, or got the hundreds, obviously everyone like went mad. As a celebration then when she became England's most cap player there was like a celebration Then I think every single cap because she kept getting that <laughs> she kept yeah. beating her own record it was celebrated so it was kind of like a 40th we dragged it out we surprised her down in Brighton and it was so funny so Kim was be- Kim Oliver was behind the door Rocky opened it up and she like hid behind the door because she was so scared and then had to sit down for about half an hour she's like oh you can tell I'm getting old I, I'm like having
1: palpitations you really scared me <laughs> did you have I mean obviously you're now all getting a little bit older you're not kind of 18 year old college girls anymore so I'm assuming did you do like a, like an afternoon tea something like that what was the kind of form for the weekend
2: oh no we uh we hit it pretty hard to be fair um the girls I I obviously went slow and steady um which allowed me to survive. Um, and then the next day, Kim Oliver had a hangover for all of us, so. <laughs> how,
1: badly, how badly did you get bullied? Because I've, um, I've seen a video of um, of you being made to try and stand on a plinth, a statue plinth. <laughs> and the, the fear in your face is a mixture of, I don't wanna say no to this because I'm just gonna get even more sledged by Kimmy and George. But also if I fall off this, I'm gonna break every bone in my body. and yet you still you still get up there, you still set well, that plinth.
2: So for anyone that's been to Brighton recently, like the front has all been re- redone and there's like lots of art sculptures and stuff. And there's this one bit of art where, yeah, there's all these pillars. And before I knew it, Rocky, and I think Chloe had got hold of my feet and were basically line out lifting me from my toes um, up onto this plinth, which they were like, pull yourself up, because so it was a funny shape at the top. So I had to kind of like edge my way over, but realized that I, Definitely don't have any upper body strength. And
1: afterwards, George is like, "I'm just so pleased we've all got bingo wings now." I was like, oh. you know, when anyway. um, so George sent me the video, and do you know what my response was? No. Nolly looks so much like her mum. She was like, "Yeah, <laughs> was all weekend." So
2: when we were trying to work out when we left, obviously it was it had been amazing weather, but then that day it was raining on the way down. And we were just about heading out, heading out so we'd had a few drinks at home we thought we'd go down and have a few drinks find a couple of bars get some dinner um George absolutely smashed it with a, her choice of food um it was like a pub Japanese-y Korean-y thing really lovely um anyway um we we were all deciding whether to take coats and instantly I was like of course I'm taking a jacket like it's raining <laughs> and We're all in our mid thirties and beyond. Like, why are we debating whether, it was honestly, like you said, what were we like? It was like, we'd all decided we were teenagers again and we could go out in whatever we were wearing, which obviously was just like a a shirt and jeans. It wasn't like tiny dresses like I used to wear at 18. But um, yeah, I was like straight away, got my my waterproof. George got hers, Kim got hers and Rocky didn't have one. So we were staying in an Airbnb. And so she borrowed the purses from the (laughs) airbnb. So we ended up in all different colored waterproofs. I was like, there's nothing more um, that says we're kind of late thirties
1: than going out with a waterproof on. (laughs) Like going on a diamond coach trip somewhat. (laughs)
2: It was such a great weekend. And I think, I think, you know, as a rugby player, before you retire, you take for granted the fact that you get to see some of your best mates three times a week. So, two trainings in the evening, obviously game day, and all the conversations that you have, all the catch ups, you're just constantly on top of knowing what's going on and you're just around people all the time. And, you know, it's one thing you don't necessarily think about when you retire that actually normal people don't get to see their best mates that many times in a week as an adult. Um, so, after all the lockdown and after everything that's happened just to be able to spend time with the girls is so much fun and um I highly recommend it that anybody if you get the chance I know the rules are all a bit all over the place still but if you get the chance make sure that you spend time with your friends because honestly it's a yeah it was a dream
1: lovely apart from Kim's hangover she was struggling (laughs) I I don't doubt that um I have not done anything that fun sadly but i did go up to loughborough to see the gb7s girls uh the week before Ooh, last oh yes last if podded, yeah so your piece I- on jazzy joyce on jazzy joyce on the fastest feet in the west of west wales um yeah it was really nice really nice to see the girls like great vibes up there um it was nice and sunny so topped up the tan Um uh, yeah it was uh really good and it looks like they're in a Decent place i know that we will have some squad announcements um next week i believe uh, this weekend however is the repechage for these <laughs> remaining places um i know that we've teased that the repechage is every weekend it is <laughs> weekend, so. Well,
2: I, I forgot that um, so Dee had put on her social media that she was off to Monaco and I got all excited and announced that the tournament was this weekend. No, because she is the tournament organiser,
1: obviously she has to go a week early. So I was announcing <laughs> again on my social media. Um, but you know, what's, you know what's not dissimilar to that is on Sunday morning, I had to send a message to Will Greenwood to tell him that it isn't in fact Father's Day because he'd put a Happy Father's Day message <laughs> to his dad. i was like it's next week will and he was like oh i had some stuff through the post i just thought it was this sunday i was like no no next weekend so good yeah i think everyone there
2: i think we're all a bit like skewed with dates i you know um i uh i'm really excited to, to see how the reprochage goes i think there are a lot of teams there that you know i think by the sounds things i've heard a couple of a couple of bits of news that they're struck you know if if they get, they have to be tested until they can, until yeah. they can go out and train. If they get a positive,
1: it's like the whole squad is in lockdown until, um, until that's cleared. So they're not. Yeah, it's pretty hectic. Like, so. They're not allowed to go around Monaco. They're allowed to go to the ground and yeah. in the hotel. They're not allowed to go yeah. anywhere.
2: Well, one one person I'd like to give a shout out to is Nick Wakeley. um, obviously Welsh superstar, great friend, um, and he is love there the with song. Uganda. Um, Uganda. Yeah, what Uganda, so? um, great stash, I reckon. And also, you know what? I think they could be the dark horses. I think they could they could do all right. Do you reckon?
1: It's interesting. Well, They're big, big physical, physical men, rap-a-charge. aren't they? Yeah, but, I mean, in the men's side of the rapprochage, you've got France and Ireland who haven't qualified yet for the Olympics. So that's I a know, big task for those Ugandans. And Tonga,
2: have you seen recently that... Um, Pietau? Not Piotr, not Piotr, unfortunately. Fekatoa. Fekatoa is, is, is putting really? his name into oh, the... I thought, ha- I, thought
1: sorry. Sorry. I thought Charles Piotr was going to have a little go,
2: but... No, I think that's that was the aim, I think. Or maybe he... They're trying to get um, something with world rugby, aren't they, around to be able, like, to, to dual, dual international so that players can play for their that, other that country.
1: That exists. So, basically, you had been capped, I think it's for three years by a country, and then you can play sevens to qualify for 15s. Because Stefan Armitage looked at doing it for stop biting your nails, Nolly. Looked at doing it for the 2016 Olympics. So the um the Armitage brothers were born in France. So they were French qualified anyway. So he didn't need to do it through the um residency and he was going to try and qualify to play for france via the sevens route so there's been a lot of talk of it happening and obviously back in the day there were a lot of dual internationals because of the tier one tier two tier three rules so it'll be interesting to see what happens but this weekend in monaco the men's repechage especially is spicy and it
2: is also for only one spot whereas the women's so it's a kind of sh- uh, like a simple shootout you win the tournament you get gets to go through the women's is obviously with with two um i think you can't look further than russia and france will they,
1: will they play a final like will they play off at the end or will they just play two semi-finals and those winners have qualified will they then um, play
2: yeah, they will because they will qualify through into different pools at the Olympics. So um, winner one will go into one pool and winner two will go into another. And that will be done on on rankings as well. So I'm not quite sure if the pools have
1: been announced, but wow. I know. exclusively, I can tell you, I've just had a message from Dee and she said they are announced on the 7th of the 7th. So you and I spent quite a long time this morning trying to Google to find the pools. The reason we couldn't find them is because they have not been drawn. Yeah,
2: well, you know, for any um, for any of the nations, those two teams in particular, those two spots, and I don't want to say that they're definitely going to win because obviously they've, they've got to go through and perform. And when it mattered most, both of them buckled and lost to Team GB. So Team GB got the spot from Europe. So it's going to be interesting to see how they perform. And actually going back to the reprochage in 2016, it was a shootout, the, the winner for, for the tournament. It was over in Ireland. Got the last spot, and Spain went above anyone's expectations and beat Russia in the final. So I think it's going to be interesting because that pressure gauge and those, you know, France has been have been at tournaments. Russia went to um, a tournament not so long ago, and they looked
1: absolutely flying. They were just in like mad form at the Europeans the week last week. Oh, maybe
2: they did. I'm not quite sure. I wasn't paying too much attention to it because the Team GB girls weren't there. They were in in Ireland training. But, um, yeah, I think from, from a qualification perspective, all of the teams will be... Well, my eyes would be on that tournament to see how those teams get on because they're going to end up in, in one of the pools and that pr- probably, likely, one of them will be in your pool. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's not like they're tier two or tier three nations that are pushing for that those final two spots those two teams are big hitters like France and Russia are big hitters on the world series normally um, get to get to semi-finals regularly so they are massive teams to be watching out for
1: one thing I was quite interested to hear your take on is the European teams actually all been getting quite a lot of game time under their belt we know that gb7s went over to ireland to go and train there was that um, st george's park competition with the french and the irish there's obviously been a european event last weekend in lisbon and now the repashage which obviously does include some non-european teams but these european teams have got quite a lot of game time under their belt whereas tournament favorites gold medalists from four years ago and the black Ferns who've won everything since haven't had a huge amount of of competition outside of their countries is there a chance they're going to come into this undercooked Well, it's interesting so Australia toured
2: New Zealand and they played in um a three-day tournament where they played um I watched some highlights and they they looked on form um it's interesting because obviously some of the uh, Australia won a couple but I think it wasn't the first string team that were going out for the Blackfinns um Oh my God, in one of the one of the highlights, Michaela Blythe absolutely smoked someone.
1: <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Oh, they, and they I look good. Or everything she knows, so yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> they look really good, to be fair. Um, but actually on their social media, they've just announced that they are going over to the Oceania Sevens, which I'm assuming is including Fiji possibly. Um, it will be, um, I'm not quite sure the team's there. So they will be traveling and playing. Um, I think the one thing about New Zealand is, it doesn't matter what opposition they play they still play like themselves so as long as they're drilled as long you know it does it does change when you've got different defenses in front of you um
1: but yeah what has from the outside looking in has looked like a really large training squad as part of their sevens program and I wonder if they extended that knowing that they weren't going to get to play outside of new zealand and actually if they could make a training squad a really high quality you've got that much more competition to play into team stuff as well
2: yeah and, and looking at the um when they played australia some of the young girls and the highlights you know um, it was brilliant because ricky swannell was um commentating on it and uh she said that they looked in good form both teams looked a little bit rusty um but once they got into it they were like they were class and and it was good to see some of the younger players and seeing on the senior girls' social medias you know pictures of like these 18-year-old girls that were just carving up and I think I can't remember which player I messaged I think it might have been um Gossi just said you know it's just unfair you're literally completely just keep producing all these talented players but I think you know what one thing else that's come out of New Zealand that's really positive is um they're kind of they they don't have a massive club program, but they do have the Farmer Power Cup. Farmer Power Cup. They have that, and it's just been announced that all of it will be televised with one of the games um, on free to air each round. And I think, you know, just stepping away from sevens, it's so important that in New Zealand they build a hype on TV and exposure to the girls, not just for the girls themselves to bring out you know these talented women and get them to be their names to be known but just to get women's rugby on the radar for for the for the community knowing that the world cup because every game they're going to be talking about world cup aren't they so it's a really brilliant way to keep it on people's uh on people's radars
1: well i think it's a really important blueprint for broadcasters up here to um notice what happened in New Zealand last year. So a number of Farrah Palmer Cup games were televised last year and there was a huge discussion about what's the point in putting games on TV if they're not the highest quality games. So the way it worked is the games followed NPC games. So whether they were the day after or whether they were double header clashes, if Sky Sport NZ were at the ground for say Auckland men, they would then put the Auckland women game on but it wouldn't necessarily be the best game of the weekend. And by default, they were televising women's games. They weren't choosing the highest quality game of the weekend. And there was a lot of chat that more often than not, it was ending up as games that you wouldn't have picked and it wasn't great as a showcase. So I think it's really interesting that as opposed to burying their heads in the sand and doing the bare minimum, Sky Sport are doing what they should be. They are going over and above. And I'd love for broadcasters up here to listen to that and notice that and think, yeah, this is what we should be doing too.
2: Yeah, I think for everybody that is calling for the premiership to all be televised, like you made a really good point there that the games that were being televised were rigged already because of the men's games. And actually they are double headers. You've got a home team because they mirror the men's in terms of the 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 brands and the teams that are playing and actually in the premiership that's not the case look at all the grounds that the women play at it's not as simple as getting tv cameras and tv crews to you know say for instance down at wasp fc in acton to rig up that is massive for a tv quality delivery Um, so i don't think the women's premiership is in the same place it is it isn't you know the Farmer Farmer Palmer Cup is like a regional-based um, tournament. It's not a premiership, so it's a slightly different structure. and I, I don't agree with televising all games in our premiership yet. I, I, you know, it would be great, but you've got to look at kickoff times. They're all coming in at the same time. You, you're already disband. You're already splitting up the um, the coverage, and I think being able to. To have it consistently on one platform that's how you grow that's how you grow it so people yeah. know where to go and they can keep you know you keep just building it and actually putting it out on England rugby YouTube having spoken to Nathan Middleton who works at the RFU who's been delivering all of this he said that the amount of traffic they've been picking up by putting it onto the Facebook page and the YouTube channel like organically has been amazing but then what they did, what they changed was then they put it onto the Premier 15's platform for the semi, for the last round of the games and for the semis in the final, which then dropped the numbers because it changed where it was going. So I think what they need to do, and he was very aware that there just needs to be a strategic approach. Like you've said Sky Sports, Sky Sports New Zealand has stepped in and said, right, we're going to do it across the board. It's kind of like they need to do something like that in England as well, but I don't think TV coverage
1: for all games is there yet. Although that I am even talking about the promotion and production of Prem 15's games on a weekly basis. We've rehashed this time and again. The Six Nations coverage was not good enough. It was hidden. Yeah. It was it was in places that it was impossible to find. Let's hope, now that it's been announced that the rights of the women's Six Nations will be free to air next year continued, that we don't see them buried, that we're, we're not texting different people in the game to say where have you found it how can I watch it can I only watch this on my phone or laptop can I not watch this on the tv I think the basis of international rugby needs to be higher for women yeah uh, before we even think about practice yeah, yeah well,
2: no, that that's a really good point I think that it was just to clear up that if we're talking about you know club rugby in inverted commas in New Zealand that we're not saying that we're there yet with our club rugby like the standard of it is great and we're not saying that it uh, for me I'm not saying that it's not good enough but I don't think it's good enough across the board to have all games we're not there yet funding wise it costs way too much money but you're 100% right about test match stuff it has to be far easier to access and the other thing like I said with the club game whether it's online or being streamed or whatever, it's consistency so that you don't have to keep chopping and changing and looking and working out where it is and what's going on.
0: Hold up. Great kitchen, And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And um, one thing before we finish on Monaco 7s, um...
1: I just want to give a shout out to Jack Brandon who will be floor managing there this weekend. Oh, nice. Yeah. And he was floor managing for me last Sunday uh, at the Ealing Saracens game. He was a late replacement, a late call up. Um, Brandon Senior, um, his dad, a legend of rugby union, but also incredibly accident prone, dislocated his knee um on the weekend when he was floor managing so how did he down, do it
2: because all i saw was he's been injured and then he needed surgery but
1: i didn't see it, what actually happened all rolled towards him and he put his foot like he stepped down onto the ball to stop it but the ball continued to roll under his heel and he just went over and dislocated his knee so Yeah, apparently it was scenes as Martin Bayfield stood there going, Medic! Medic! (laughs) Um, And he had to be stretched off the pitch. Um, But, yeah, so he then got pulled from our coverage on Sunday of the Championship final. Jack stepped in and was just lovely all day, as he always is. So massive thanks to Jack for being such a... Well, I tell
2: you, I mean, lovely family, um, great blokes to be around, and they, yeah... I just love the fact that jack steps in and he's like yeah whatever dad I, i've got it no problem yeah. um but whatever what else was lovely was your delivery and your little trio of love that sounds a bit weird um topsy flats and you <laughs> um
1: oh, a trio of you love. know I, okay I,
2: I i tuned in um it probably wouldn't have been well you know what it probably would have been a game that i tuned into do you, knowing that I'm going to be working on the the Lions game because obviously there were a number of Lions in there were that a number of lions, not yeah. Ealing team but Saracens team. Yes. Um. And yeah, how was it? Because it was slightly different. You were like down in the um in the, the red zone. zone.
1: Oh yeah, in the red zone. I had to stick things up my nose and down my throat all week to qualify to be in the red zone. So that was fun. I thought you
2: meant in the uh, in the red zone. I like, That's a
1: bit no, weird. No, uh, we will leave that there. Park that. Um, but I yeah it was good fun (laughs) leave it there this is family friendly Um, it was so hot down there. it was absolutely disgusting now I've covered Dubai Sevens multiple times Sydney Sevens in Parramatta where it was disgustingly hot but this was something else because we're just not built for it in the UK we're not ready for that kind of heat and Those artificial pitches are just so punishing. For those, I mean, most people will be aware, the black rubber crumb that you see on an artificial pitch, the stuff that gets everywhere, all in your car, all in your shoes, et cetera. When you play,
2: all in your pants as well. Yeah,
1: literally everywhere. It's recycled car tyres. So you think when you watch the Formula One and they talk about the heat coming off the tyres, it's just like soaking it up. It was 30 degrees and it was probably 50 degrees down on that pitch.
2: Hey, my last proper rugby that was just a sevens tournament with wasps was at Ealing. So it was a sevens tournament, and it topped over thirty-five degrees. It was the hottest day of the year two years ago. I, I, I I've, I've never been so hot in my whole entire life, and I was so unfit. I hadn't trained. <laughs> I was so much older than everybody else. It was awful. Um, and being relatively fair skinned, it was pretty brutal. So I know exactly how you feel. Um, but yeah, I thought you did a brilliant job and you were—you
1: um, seem to be besties with- uh, Kelly Brown. Yeah. Alleged that that is Kelly Brown. Yeah, he, um, I spent a lot of time just asking him to like give me things to talk about on air. So it was like being a little mole. It was really nice and um, yeah, it was, it was just really good fun and it was um, obviously very one-sided on the day. But I think... I, I'm not sure Ealing will be that disappointed from the perspective of it's not a case that they played the team that dropped down for the, from the Prem based on performance relegation. They are playing a top-four team in Europe. That, that's exactly what Ben Ward called it. And Mark McCall turned around in the week when he did his interview with Dricko and said, we're treating this like a European Cup final. Now... If I played for Ealing, I'd have gone down in that warm-up. Whoa, <laughs> that's
0: I understand. You know oh, what, though? God,
1: like,
0: no I, um,
2: it's interesting, isn't it, though? Because I was thinking the whole way through the game. Imagine that, well, who was the number four oh, for Ealing? He was so chopsy. He was, like, getting into everyone. Like, started, like first two minutes was, like, chops into Owen Farrell, then, like, late hit Um I think it was uh, Billy Vinopola. Like, it's just like loving being an absolute noise. And um, I was also thinking, you know, for some of those lads, like I, I don't know the inning boys' names, which I apologise, um, but the 15 was class. Some of his defence was absolutely outstanding in some of his life. But for them, they're in the few weeks, They'll be watching those men play against the Springboks in a Lions series and they can say that they have played against them. Like, how cool is that to, you know, for some of them, their heroes will be, would have been on the field against them. And it was, it's also an interesting dynamic because when um, those boys are like getting stuck into the Saris guys, I was like, the Saris boys can't win because if they go back at them, then they're arrogant and they're, but if they don't say anything, then they're arrogant. And they're like, do you know what I
1: mean? It's like so About Jamie George at Richmond had got (laughs) pledged by the Richmond front row. And I was talking to Kelly about- so 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 Jamie. (laughs) And I said, like, it's, you know, from Jamie's perspective, like, what can you do? Like what, you're not going to get into an argument with somebody who, you know, then I also don't get from a front row perspective, I don't get it because you're scrimmaging against Saracens. You're going to be on skates the whole game. You're literally going to be marching backwards for the entire match. Like you are moonwalking your way through eighty minutes, <laughs> <laughs> but you're like chops it off to their front row of lion players. Very, very odd. My my highlight for it there. And I think the the thing that kind of really cemented the realization that they are there were superstars on show there on, on Sunday. And and the Saracens boys, it was only ever going to be one-way traffic because of the standard of those players. But um, obviously, I was down in the red zone, around the benches, and a load of the Ealing non-playing squad members were down there, um, kind of, you know, players who were perhaps additionally reserved for the game and stuff like that. So pre-match, they were milling around in their track suits. I couldn't have told you who any of them were. They were, you know, these are all boys who... Has played a couple of championship games. They're not even like first team e- Ealing boys. And I realized the star status of, of international players and, and Lions players, even to them when Brian O'Driscoll came down. So I was working for Brian O'Driscoll and Craig Dawes production company on Saturday, on Sunday. And, um, and they were there and Dricko came down and these boys were like, is that, is that Brian O'Driscoll? And I could hear them and you could tell there was this like, can I ask him for a photo? Like, what do we do? And I that was the moment where I thought, this is a huge occasion for these boys. And perhaps it wasn't fair on Ealing this season. They are a premiership team in waiting. They've made big strides. They want to go up. If they were playing a Worcester or a Newcastle in a double header final, it possibly could be a very different story for them. But when you're playing a team like Saracens, there is just... you playing... That. You're playing the team that's won everything like so yeah.
2: it's when people are saying oh there was a few tweets and from people that are like pretty pretty in it with rugby um and they they're saying oh you could see the disparity and I'm like what between the top of the premiership and the top of the <laughs> championship of course you would like <laughs> it like you say it's it it isn't the normal route of what would happen in terms of bottom and top like that yeah. that gap is far closer than top and top like of course yeah, otherwise what otherwise the premiership isn't doing it right yeah, exactly. um, and it's not even the top of the premiership it's also the top of Europe so you've got this like, step up again um
1: well that's yeah, what I think. Ben Ward described it as um, I listened to he he'd done a podcast with our friend Ben Gulliver and he talked about the fact that you've kind of got the Premiership is tiered within itself. So you've probably got the bottom four, or five teams of Premiership teams. And then you kind of go into this like European bracket and then you've got your internationals and then you've got your Lions players, which are the cream of the crop playing at those top teams in that league. So yeah, how, how you get a team up for the game at the Stone Ex this weekend. And the one thing I think that's going to be difficult that I can't see that any of those Lions boys won't play because they want game time before they join up with the rest of the squad who have joined up in Jersey already. But also, if you're someone like Billy Vanapola who isn't selected for the Lions, we've already seen Sam Simmons go down once last week. You are the next cap on the rank, and you want to be playing. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. You want to be playing rugby, showing he looked great on the weekend. He looks really well-conditioned for a change. And you want to be on the radar so that if somebody goes down... Sam Timmons will play another two weeks of rugby oh. hopefully for Exeter in the back of your mind you're thinking I have to be fit and ready I have to oh be
2: mate Billy Vinopola off the back of a scrum that was basically doing whatever it wanted running from from the base
1: to the number 10 I wouldn't have even attempted to tackle him like you <laughs> just mate, been like, can you imagine like pitch side the noise he makes when he hits people like you can <sighs> You know you know, like when you um you jump onto an old sofa and the cushions go like, that's the noise the players were making like it was horrible like it you could hear the air leaving people's bodies, and he and he, and he also and and again, my best friend Kelly Brown and I were chatting post match uh, <laughs> you know socially casually because we're just best mates, and we were talking about Billy and he had possibly lost a little bit of of what had made him billy earlier this season whether that was lack of game time poor conditioning maybe not feeling i don't think he plays as well for england as he does for saracens personally but he has this thing i've always thought and having watched billy from a really young age because obviously he is actually welsh is that he um he's got this weird thing when he's playing well he looks unbalanced when he runs because he's got so much movement in his hips like he looks like he's going to topple but it's because he's he's very squat and low to the ground when he runs and and he has got this amazing motion through his midsection and his hips and he and he is a bit of a dancing jinking player even for somebody of that size and he is massive he's what like he's 185 kegs or something sick like that. that i don't know i don't know,
2: what I don't is that know. Probably maybe 120 kilos, 130.
1: So he's kilos. He's like, yeah, he's like 135. I swear Kelly told me he's like yeah. 185. I'm sticking to that. He weighs 40 stone. Oh, um, should, we, should we yeah, absolutely. Should we talk
2: about some other rugby, that, the other top stuff? Because there was some play, well, the final round of the premiership. I didn't get to watch loads of it because I was working with the eSport Trust Um, on actually a really cool weekend going to girls' active camp, which is like, year nine year ten girl yeah eight year nine and ten girls who were picked for um for leadership qualities and uh, yeah i was on on the call so i had the tv on but obviously i was doing those zooms but yeah massive comeback from exeter to beat sale and i didn't i saw bits of it but i think there was a a yellow card given to you as it should have been a red. It's now been cited up to a red, so he will miss the remainder of the season. But I think the biggest thing was AJ McGinty being stretched off. He has been probably one of the in-form fly halves this season. Um, And not just what he provides for sale, but the fact that America are finally (laughs) touring and have got an opportunity, you know, to be playing against England and, up. the the reports are saying he's not going to be fit and I'm just gutted because when someone's so informed that they finally get to wear their country's colors at a stadium against a massive team and to like do you know what I mean like I just yeah. think it was really really sad so I'm gutted for him um but the the clash they've got this weekend and you're down there aren't you are you working I'm, on that I'm, one
1: so yeah I'm in the truck for BT on Saturday so um yeah I didn't realize how late a kickoff it was because I want to go for dinner with Rory Lawson and Ben Kayser in Cardiff afterwards so <laughs> <laughs> maybe, to it. Maybe um, you could to Maybe see Big Seal on the way down she'd give you some lunch I'm going to Devon the week after so maybe I'll go and see her then um uh, but I one thing I, I know that you wanted to talk about whilst we're talking about extra sale talking about sale is Marlon Yard just got awarded the um like Premiership Community Award
2: Yeah, so each year um, the players are nominated for what they've been doing in the community and Gallagher, the Gallagher won this this year, went to Marlon and so Ollie Thorley was nominated for stuff he did in the community in Gloucester, Jimmy Gopeth, um, there was one other player, um, but he got it for the work he's done and voluntary stuff for Centrepoint, which is homeless charity up in Manchester and I saw bits and pieces going out on his social media and they didn't just raise loads of money. He also spent quite a bit of time there and they put together a whole load of like boxes and of um, clothes and items to support people that were were struggling. Um, And and actually, um, there's been some stuff with HSBC recently on um, the work they're doing, providing bank accounts for homeless people because they and they've got. They've done some social media stuff and it's absolutely brilliant as a video that I've reposted saying like because the stats are crazy um, with the amount of homeless
1: people that there are in the UK and actually one of the reasons just to pick up on that that the HSBC campaign works hand in hand with Centerpoint and Shelter and the other homeless charities in the UK so it's not a separate thing if you are supporting those charities this is something that HSBC are doing supplementary to them because as I'm sure you were just about to say the reality is that getting yourself out of homelessness is the issue and if you don't have a fixed address you can't have a bank account so the HSBC program works with center point and shelter they provide the address center point and shelter hsbc provide the bank account so even just things like being paid benefits you don't pick up your gyro in cash anymore you it has to be paid digitally into a bank account in terms of applying for jobs you have to have a fixed abode more often than not so this is to be paid yeah exactly yeah the
2: the hashtag is hashtag vicious circle and that you've just said it's you can't have them without the other. And it's time to break that. And there was a, like, it's a pretty hard hitting video that they've posted. So if you go onto HSBC UK, but to to do that, but I just think it was really important because it's not something that a lot of people really realize. I genuinely didn't know the stats behind it and also why it's so hard to break that cycle. And um, yeah, I think like, congratulations to to Marlon, um, and,
1: uh, so for his award and then the other semi final the other I kind I of- to add to that with regard to Centrepoint it isn't just a Manchester-based charity I would implore people to go and look at Centerpoint's website I um, share this on LinkedIn I don't share it on like normal social media but if um, at Christmas I don't send Christmas cards or gifts to any of my clients I have a monthly donation to Centerpoint, which specifically so supports- oh,
2: is that why I don't get a
1: card <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, which specifically I support <laughs> their um support of homeless young people in the UK so i have a very tangible donation that i know that my donation monthly will put the roof over and give a bed to a young homeless person in the UK so i implore people to go and check Centrepoint out because they are an absolutely incredible charity Uh, with what they do and yeah they're absolutely amazing so I just wanted to add that in there also did you know what Marlon Yard's dad's name is no Scotland shut no I swear on my life his dad's name is Scotland Yard are you joking I promise you Marlon's dad is called Scotland Yard oh wow I know amazing well, t- i
2: mean talking about names class. um my niece still doesn't have a name i'm hoping i mean we don't have the surnames that will create such a ridiculous name but um yeah we're still waiting for little baby little baby something to be, something. To be, to be named. the baby um, yeah well i was just going to talk about the other and actually links in nicely with what you were going to you were talking about earlier about Harlequins. Um, the, the, the next semi-final is Bears v. Quins. Um, Quins had a good game at the weekend. Um, Bears had their game cancelled because um, of COVID, but they were awarded the four points, which meant that they kept their spot. Obviously, I think they'd already qualified for a home semi-final anyway. Um, But you were saying something earlier about Michael Liner's son.
1: Oh, gosh. So um, Louis Liner scored a try on the weekend and it was on social media. And Michael congratulated his son. And it just makes me feel so old. So I worked with Michael at Sky over the years and went to his house to do a shoot many years ago. And Louis and the boys were literally playing with Lego. And now he's scoring premiership tries. How are well, they saying
2: that? Jack Noel and all the boys, they still play with Lego. So, hey, he, can't, he might not have been that young. <laughs> Let's
1: talk about what the extra boys do in their spare time because we know what they're not doing, getting vaccines. On that note, um, oh. <laughs> should we wrap this up for the week and see everybody in a fortnight? Or maybe not. We'll see.
2: Bye.